0: status traumaticus on today's episode we're going to be interviewing nurse b on this show we pull back the curtain to show you just what's going on at the bedside with nursing we're joined today by nurse b hello how are you
1: hi i'm good how are you
0: so nurse b is a brand new nurse uh you've been in the field for about two years now yeah two years excellent and um what did you do before nursing
1: um, so I went straight into nursing. I actually knew I wanted to be a nurse since I was little. Um, I have a picture of me like literally in fifth, g- not fifth grade. I was five years old dressed in a little
0: nurse's outfit. So
1: um, after I graduated high school, I went straight to college and went straight into nursing school. Um, so I just knew nursing was for me. <laughs>
0: wow, that's amazing. Do you have any nurses in the family?
1: No. So I'm the first to, you know, go into higher level of education education so college and then the first in the medical field so everyone thinks I'm a
0: doctor um, but I'm not I'm a nurse we still ask you all the medical questions right absolutely absolutely when, uh, when people ask me like oh especially patients like uh, a doctor I go no I I work for them <laughs> I'm the yeah nurse.
1: no they're like can I take this medication with I was like I have no idea what that medication does so I'm not gonna answer right.
0: ask your doctor <laughs> oh um, is there, is there like a time you remember, like something you saw that was like, oh, did you want to be a nurse?
1: I just think like I was exposed to a lot of crazy things that I saw at a very young age. Um, and so craziest thing I remember in high school, it was like the first incident I was in English class or something and I was sitting next to this girl and all of a sudden she has a seizure. Like literally we're reading our book and she just like looks up, rolls her eyes back and just like falls onto me and starts seizing. Um, and I've had so many episodes throughout my life seeing these medical emergencies Mm -hmm. and I always like felt the urge to step in. Like I always felt comfortable just like what's going on, how can I help? And so I felt like it was really natural to be in a nursing role. I did consider medical school. I did do the whole application um, and everything. I just felt that being a doctor wasn't going to be as satisfying as being a nurse, shockingly enough, but
0: yeah. And you uh, probably sidestepped uh, half a million dollars in debt.
1: Yes. So I am debt-free. Thank you.
0: Yeah, That's definitely helpful. Um, So let let me ask you this. When you were starting school and kind of doing your clinicals, you graduated right into the pandemic, correct?
1: I did. Um, Yeah.
0: Is nursing like what you thought it was going to be? Is it different from what you thought? Like how has it changed? And what's your view on that?
1: Yeah, so I think my the nursing class of 2020 was the last class who got to do clinicals before everything changed because bedside is not the way it was. So I had a really good clinical experience. I actually, my practicum was in the multi system ICU. So that was January to April of 2020. Um, and literally COVID was rolling in and we had no idea that it was COVID yet. Um, so I'm grateful that I got to see what nursing was actually like. And don't get me wrong. There was already problems with it before, but I feel like being literally all I know is pandemic nursing, um, getting hired in 2020, working in those conditions, working with intense COVID patients, and then now transitioning to more calmer times. But what is bedside now with staffing and resources and just hospital policies? I think it's, it's a lot more different than what nursing school kind of makes it seem. Yeah. And uh, I really like to use my platforms to kind of showcase what it's really like out there, because I would hate for our future nurses to be blindsided almost um, to what working, especially most people go into bedside. So what working bedside really is like right now.
0: Speaking of which, you're uh, Generation Z, right? I think I don't know. I'm in think the middle you, somewhere. you're to me. You're like a you're a wizard. Uh, yeah, yeah. You kind of grew up with that, and you know you mentioned your platforms, and you have quite a bit of following on like Instagram and a blog, correct? You want to talk yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. about
1: that? Yeah. So in nursing school, I made my Instagram blog. It's called Coffee with Confidence, um, and I just made it as a creative outlook. Uh, I didn't have a huge support system in nursing school. Again, being the only one going through this and I couldn't really relate to much. Um, I was in a new city all all alone. So I created a platform just to kind of talk about it and vent about school. And then people were like, hey, I like that too. And I guess my generation is so social media based. That's really how we make connections. So from there, it kind of has grown over the last couple of years. Um, I think I have about 5,000 followers now, which is crazy to me. Um, And yeah, so it's been interesting.
0: Have you gained any insights from like talking to all these different people kind of around the world and all different states? You think you yeah, that thing?
1: absolutely. I mean, it's crazy, you know, as nurses are licensing has been NCLEX and everyone takes it, but um, a lot of states aren't within the multi-state um, license registration. So it's interesting to hear from these other nurses from these places that aren't within that compact license group, uh, just to hear like their nursing school journey. To hear how their hospital runs things, to hear hospitals with like unions, to hear hospitals who are nonprofit, profit, religious—like it's it's crazy how like how different the hospital systems can be, even though healthcare is generally the same.
0: So yeah, I think as nurses, especially older nurses, um, they've worked for one institution, and then a lot of nurses you run into they think like their institution and how they do things is kind of like how everyone does things, right. which can be vastly different system to mm-hmm. system. Um, yeah. That's one of the cool experiences I've had as a traveler is going from system to system, learning how things are done like differently and how some things are done better than other systems and how some things are done much worse. Um, and like I, my hope for the future is that with all of these travel nurses going around the country, that we can kind of revamp nursing at the bedside with social media and take all the best practices from the systems and put together some new type of you know, nursing um, workflow because right now with everything that's based upon nurses, in my opinion it's too much um yeah. you it's when we first spoke you talked about um working with your hospital for like recruitment you want to talk a little yeah. bit about that i thought that was super cool
1: yeah. So I, um, with my organization, I mean, we, we talk about the shortage, right? And I always talk about, like, I feel like I've gone to like all of my coworkers who have, have been nurses for 15, 10, 5, 7 years. And everyone I talk to, I always ask them, like, did they talk about the nursing shortage while you were at school? And they all say yes. So I always think like, I always was realistic when I went to nursing school and I was like, I knew it was going to be tough. Like I knew I wasn't entering this profession for money because I wouldn't be a nurse if it was for the money. (laughs) Um, um, But I just knew that, you know, the shortage, it's not something I think we'll ever be able to fix. That's just my personal opinion. But going through recruitment is finding, you know, nurses that kind of meet our culture and can help us. Like you're talking about, like finding those people who can work in these certain conditions? Because um, I work in a very high stress level environment, being like a trauma center. So we need we need people who can work in those kind of environments. So um, I've gone out to uh, mostly nursing schools and I've sp- um, spoken with these students and talking about the transition from student nurse to registered nurse because that's not something that we have. Like it's literally just a jump. Like you're like, oh yay, I graduated, passed my NCLEX, and then they're like, okay all of a sudden patient care is on your hands. It's your license. Good luck. And I'm like, that's so unfair. Like, dude, I don't even know what I'm doing yet. Let's 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 calm it down a little bit. So that's what I was doing with recruitment efforts, kind of helping that disconnect. And I've, I've gotten really good feedback from it. So I thought it was, it was really cool for my organization to kind of implement that.
0: That's great. That's great to hear. Um, so yeah, there's like, hopefully light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I'm not sure how long the, because we were in a shortage before the pandemic, right? Right. Shortage and pandemic exacerbated that. How we attract more people to nursing is a good question. And realistically, mm-hmm. it's like, um, I think there's a statistic that we mentioned on the show, upwards of 50% after the first year, leave the bedside and go and do something yeah. else. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's like the idea, maybe, did you hear this kind of a nursing school too? Like, oh, continue your education. And, They don't talk about like how to be it's okay just to be a bedside nurse for your entire career actually need competent good bedside nurses that have been there for like 10 15 20 years um Mm -hmm. i know maybe three nurses that have been a bedside nurse for like their whole career wow that's a hard yet position to do for 30 years um but you start after you get past like five years working at the bedside (laughs) You really see a lot, and you're like experience all kind of jumps to different uh, yeah. level. I know my new job. Uh, where I'm working with a lot of younger nurses right now, just graduated, and it's hard to see like the stress level that they go through as they mm-hmm. learn new things. Um, so I really try to take time to with them and be like, you know, help them think through problems, help them understand like. You can't be at like stress level nine all the time for certain right. durations and you have to learn yeah. like, how to cope and not take everything home with you. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a lot of work, that's for sure. And as for drawing new nurses in, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think starting with a pay increase would definitely help.
1: Booyah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm excited about the energy that has been brought to the nursing community by all of us going through this and the march that we're both going to be going to. So do you want to tell me a little bit like why you decided you want to go to the march?
1: I just felt empowered like by uh, seeing all these nurses from literally around the nation um, to hear them have same issues, worse issues, and really want to come back to like nursing 101. And I think that's what we all want. Like, I really think like, I always say when we have these conversations, cause I'm open and I have conversations with my leadership, my coworkers, like I'm up and honest. And I say, you know, we always talk about pay, but like money can only go so far, you know? Like, yeah, you can pay me so much money, but like, if the conditions are still rough, I'm still going to burn out. I just get to take home more money. So hearing like, hearing people wanting to fix something more than just money was what really called out to me. Cause that's why I went into nursing. I went into nursing. Um, cause I cared for people. Um, we froze here for a second. Sorry. Sorry. We froze a little bit, but, um, I went in cause I care for people. I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. I wanted to be knowledgeable in the medical world and like, we can't do that anymore. I feel like, so I'm all for, mandated ratios i'm all for safety for not only patients but for nurses um i'm all for yeah fair equal pay um we go through a lot i mean if you're paying me to if you're asking me to do 12 different jobs i would hope you can compensate me for at least doing 10 of those (laughs) like i'm not asking for much i know there's there's a bunch of people and the thing is it's also interesting you know, hearing and all these posts and all these conversations, how everyone is so far on the spectrum. So I'm very curious to see like, how this is all going to come together. Cause right now it's kind of crazy how distant like the spectrum is and everyone on it, which was shocking to me um, to see so many people being like, money's the only answer you got to pay me and I'll shut up. Or like, it's just the basics. Like we don't have to do it this way. It's fine. I'm like, so where, where are we? I feel like I'm in the middle.
0: Right. So. I, um, I I view it as like, I describe it as a scale. So if, if it were like a sliding scale, when conditions are really kind of bad and you have no staff and you're six, seven patients and no aids, that scale moves maybe towards the left, towards like higher pay. Because mm-hmm. if I have to go into these conditions, I need to make premium pay. But right. I realize... That's not really sustainable. And Mm -hmm. I don't really like working in those conditions. I don't really get to be a nurse that I wanna be. Mm -hmm. Um, Moving that scale back towards where we have, you know, patient tax, maybe proper staffing or just more support, then you can slide that pay scale down for me. You know, I don't need a premium pay to go into a condition, into a place like that, especially Mm -hmm. where I can take my new contract, all the resources in the world. And it's amazing. Um, and I can actually sit and talk to my patients and do social work consults and talk about like what's going to happen when they leave the hospital, what mm-hmm. their game plan is. And you feel like you can actually be a nurse again instead of other places where I'm just running into rooms and, you know, throwing pills into people's mouths in an yeah. and answering calls yeah, stopping people from falling out of a bed. Um, nurses, like you said, most of us didn't get into this field for the money. Um, but we do want to be compensated fairly and we do want to work in safe conditions. Yeah. Um, I think national, my personal opinion, national um, patient to nurse ratios is a great idea, but I don't know if it's achievable, to be honest, especially when there's a nursing shortage. Um, If we don't have enough nurses right now mandating hospitals to have these patient ratios um, might be unrealistic, and then what is the mechanism to uh, make enforce those ratios? Is it like fines? Would it be? Is um, it strikes? I'm not really sure. Where I'm working right now is probably one of the best examples that I've seen of a, like a large kind of corporate structure um, that has a, quite a bit of money. But on top of that, uh, this place has a very strong union that's been there for about 45 years. So they have—they already have like really, really good patient ratios. So I think as like med- hospital systems become more corporate, which is fine because it improves efficiencies and it helps, you know, with costs. Um, there needs to probably be a national nurses union to counterbalance that. Yeah. Um, so you can have uh, nurses' rights, you know, workers' rights, working. What we're really talking about here is safety or for nurses and things like that. And when there's not a union to kind of stand up against these like corporate entities, um, nurses and everyone else kind of gets pushed aside.
1: Yeah, I, I wanna touch like, so my personal opinion when it comes to this is like, I totally agree. I think a national mandated patient ratio should exist. Um, it's literally evidence-based practice, which is what we study which is what every doctor studies, everyone in a science field goes by evidence-based practice. Like we literally have like over 10 years of this stuff telling us what is safe pa- patient ratio. So why shouldn't these, this be mandated? I feel like that's a long-term goal in my opinion. Um, with right now, what I think we need to be doing is, you know, having that mandate enacted, but then also holding, holding hospitals, holding units, holding everyone accountable. So let's say, yeah, the mandate now for a ICU is two to one or three to one, right? Or uh, let's do like a med surge, let's make that easier. So let's say a a med surge ratio is five. That's what the evidence shows, four to five. And I come to work and you're giving me six or seven. If I'm working in those conditions, you need to protect me. This doesn't fall on me anymore. And I feel like that's where a lot of people would be more comfortable working in these current conditions. Because yeah, it's it's not like magic. Like we're just like, oh, here are mandated ratios. Not everyone can be happy. That's not gonna happen. Like, let's be realistic about this. It's there. It's in place. It should be enforced. But if you can't do it, then you need to protect me. Then if anything happens, the liability can't fall on me because you're not following what's supposed to be, what's proposed, what is mandated. I'm working in those conditions that you can't commit to. So right. it's, it's your idea. liability, not mine. So that's my personal opinion. I am new to this. I don't know about unions. I, I you know, like I'm, I'm always up for listening to all these great ideas and how things are working. And especially I have friends who come from union hospitals and tell me how things work there. Um, I think just like you say, like the basics, like, I think the basics do need to be something mandated national wise. Like, um, does that have to be a union? I don't think so. I think it can just be mandated safe ratios, mandated s- safetyness just in general for nurses, you know, how we report, like our reporting system, I feel like is broken almost like you hear all these crazy stories about nurses and then it, the culture makes it seem like, Oh, but you're a nurse. Like I've had a patient tell me that like, Oh, but it's your job. I'm like, I did not come. I didn't, my contract is not say, Oh, I get to get verbally abused twice a day and physically assaulted once a week. Right. No. So those are things that need to be enacted. I just feel like the way we can pull nurses is to make nursing safe again.
0: Yeah. Honestly,
1: if people see that, Hey, like, It's tough out here. That's why you're coming into this. It's not easy peasy. You're saving people's lives, but we're here to protect you. Why not? Why not give it a go? Yeah. So
0: that's that's how I see it. You hit the nail on the head and you're talking about basically how every nurse kind of is feeling right now. Yeah. They they don't feel safe. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's why you're seeing these marches happen. Nurses leaving in droves because before like, Corporate medicine talk to good talk where you know we care about you we have your bag you're a nurse yada 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 uh, but when this pandemic hit oh you know should we wear a mask don't wear a mask and yeah I literally heard people say well don't scare the patients
1: yeah <laughs> my
0: life you know what about right like you know um, and then people leave and you, you get dumped on um, and now it's almost as a feeling as we just don't want to talk about what happened. We want to just go back to business as usual with no staff. Um, I've heard one of my friends who used to work um, in it, like kind of the administration side on um, the corporate side. His fear to me that he has uh, said, you know, if they can make the clinical side work, meaning like nursing care, the bedside work with giving nurses six or seven patients, why would they ever go back to giving them three or four? You know, yeah,
1: that's my fear.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. They can talk about safety and good outcome, but if something bad happens, you can just blame it. Literally blame it on that nurse. Um, what I've mm-hmm. seen with union hospitals is what you're talking about, where you get to say uh, when they're working outside of their um, contracted matrix. Like if their union contract says they're supposed to have four patients and they're at five or six, they send a piece of paper saying if something happens, this doesn't go on my license because we're outside our contract. Okay. Um, that's a great mechanism. Now, I'm not sure how um, that holds up court or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but I, that goes to exactly what you're talking about in um, you know, nationwide mandates. If you sign a piece of paper like that, that would go a long ways. Um, but I do
1: wanna say that things are different. So you, we also have to take into consideration that people were isolated for almost two years of their lives. Yeah. And especially in like a field I work, I work in college, you now, um, people got sicker. So people are coming in after delays of treatment plans. So now it would have been a med surge patient to you maybe years ago when you started, which was truly a walkie talkie, you know, I'm here for some tummy pain is now a patient with GI bleed, you know, and is it a med surge unit? Like, It's so different now. I feel like even the consideration of what a patient can clinically be leveled at has to be changed because I get patients and I'm like, shouldn't you be in the ICU? (laughs) Because I feel like an ICU nurse right now. Um, And I think that's also something that they're not, we're not considering. We're not considering how the acuity of patients and their um, illnesses has elevated, especially with COVID. Um,
0: That's a really, really valid point. People are just sicker because they're afraid yeah. to go to the hospital. They're afraid to go out. Um, and so just the basic med third patient is like probably a step down patient. If not, ICU yeah. patient, like you were saying, we're all over the place right now. I'm we're
1: nervous now. about that. I'm nervous about that. Yeah. I, I really agree with that. This is like the time to speak, you know? Two years ago, everyone was cheering for us outside of their doors. Um, I remember and, that. Yeah, yeah like, Woo! Woo! and now I'm like, excuse me, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I got right. it. Um, it's Nurses Week. Happy Nurses Week this oh, <laughs> week. Um, but um, I, I am nervous for that. I do agree that we finally have the opportunity to have a platform to be heard. I just feel like a lot of different opinions are wanting to be shared. And we, I think we just got to be realistic with it. Yeah. Is healthcare going to be perfect? No, because why? We are humans. We're running a system. We're not robots. If robots were running it, sure. But we're humans caring for humans. Yep. And that's what I think we really have to, not only um, healthcare individuals, but the patients too. Like I hate the term superhero for nurses. Oh, no. I hate it. I think it's, So dangerous. It is. Because I have patients who like see me in a light where I can do, I can be in two patients' room at once and and I can do, I can cure them, I can take away their pain. And I'm realistic with my patient care. We we set goals off the bat. Some people like it, some people don't. You know, I I have to do what I can do, but I'm not a miracle worker. And I think that's what I would like to take away from labeling nurses as, as heroes. That's like
0: a, such a good point. So yeah, many nurses like, internalize that too, where they yeah. don't take breaks. They yeah. don't drink water. Like water. I didn't drink water. A new nurse, I'm like, do you take a break? No. You need to form the habit of taking a break yeah. now. I have to that's... step outside of patient care for at least 30 minutes. Yeah. Give yeah. report Get off the unit.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, a I think, a big thing that my generation of nurses. So, again, like I said, social media influences, influences us a lot. And I don't love social media all the time. It's very fake sometimes. It's very exaggerated sometimes. Um, even with, like, this march wanting to happen. And I was hearing these stories. I was like, is this real? But, like, you see every spectrum of generations of nurses talking about the same thing year after year after year. So like, that's how I know there's an actual issue. But I think my generation of nurses are more scared. Um, I know like my parents like generation like working, they were loyal to a company, because they gave them a job. Like they were loyal, no matter pay, no matter benefits, like you granted me an opportunity, I'm going to stay loyal to you. And my generation doesn't work like that. Our loyalty lies to ourselves, which is something I'm really happy because it's sad to see. But I see so many baby nurses like just go up and and leave six months in. I'm not happy. Bye. Like, you know, is there an extreme to everything? Yes. But I do think this new generation of nurses, like being able to easily just tell leadership straight up, like, I'm not happy here. You're not sufficing me. I'm going somewhere where I can find my happiness is such a powerful move. And I don't know if leadership, like future leadership is gonna be able to combat that or handle
0: that. They're so used to nurses just putting up and shutting up. You know, yeah. they'll complain, they'll, they'll bitch a little bit like on their units and talk about it, but no, they don't really do anything or enact any yeah. change. And, you know, I think a lot of times people try it first, they don't get anywhere with it and then they kind of give up. I think they look at, mm-hmm. like that's kind of the spectrum but like enacting change isn't easy and it's a process. And uh, someone mentioned to me that when bedside nurses kind of like talk to leadership, it's such a high like pressure, emotional job that when something is wrong and it's endangering your license and your patients, mm-hmm. that it's hard to bring yourself back down to have like kind of like a boardroom level conversation. Because yeah. if you walk into people that are going to, like, you know, administration or whatever, and you're talking to corporate, and you want to tell them how, like, something needs to change, if you're off-rip just, like, accusing them or kind of yelling, that conversation going nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not a productive conversation. So, mm-hmm. like nurses learning how to communicate a little bit better with um, kind of uh, the corporate structure is super important, in my opinion. Because we realistically – um, and I got into this in one of my earlier episodes, even though we're both speaking like English, we're speaking two different languages. So <laughs> nurses will yeah. talk in like clinical talk and that wasn't, that doesn't translate up to a person who doesn't work in the clinical setting and they're talking in like business jargon, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. trying to bridge that gap sometimes, yeah. um, and getting to a place where there's a common understanding about what the problem is, mm-hmm. I think is a big problem in healthcare in general because you kind of have business people and you have clinical people and then bridging that gap can be really difficult.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I I agree. I'm learning that. That's something I'm learning. I've always been a vocal person and I like cry and I literally cry to leadership. Thankfully, I have a pretty good leadership team that um, I can talk to, you know, about these things and I feel heard. Um, I know it's very rare for a lot of people. And that's one of the main reasons why I picked where I work. But and I hope everyone can find that. But like, like you said, like even having those conversations, I find myself not being understood as much as I wanted to. And I look back and I'm like, it's, I don't understand like what went wrong. Like in my world, it makes sense. But in their world, they're like, you said A, B, C, D, E, F, G. <laughs> and yeah, that's why I'm excited to see who is going to be speaking for the nursing, like as a whole, like who is going to be the voice. Um, cause yeah. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't no. seen who that person is going to be, um, yeah. or what organization that's going to be. Um, yeah. so that is going to be, cause even now as nurses, cause we're trying to move up this ladder, you know, we tried within leadership, we tried within, um, corporation organizations. Now we're trying to get into a whole national political level. Yeah.
0: It's a new ball. Nursing
1: game. talk is not the same as political talk. No, not so,
0: at all. Not at all. So it,
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to see how this plays
0: out. In that that level, that is where change really happens. And, you know, we can do it through voting. But realistically, like in the American system, laws aren't really influenced through voting, but they're influenced through lobbying. And nurses don't have like a national bedside nursing lobbying. know, we have the hospital association, but that's for administration. That's right. like the hospital group is for funding, stuff exactly. like that. you know, it's yeah. not talking about the issues at the bedside. It's not talking right. about patient nurse violence. Um, it's not talking about safe ratios. So yeah. when you don't have someone that is lobbying for your concerns, you don't we don't have a seat at the table. Realistically, we yes. as nurse bedside nurses, we don't have a seat at the table. And I heard, and it could have just been a rumor, that that is the goal of one of uh, the organizers for the nurses' march is to set up a lobbying firm. And I think that is definitely one step that is needed, Um that then gives us a seat at the table for national yes. like lawmaking conversations. I You know, you think about it like that's where the people who make their laws, that's where they get their information from. So mm-hmm. when we get upset, that like. Well, this doesn't reflect anything for us. This, we're not. We don't have a seat. So the only people we should be upset with is ourselves. And I yeah. think we're starting to like, as nurses, realize this. And for a long time, in my opinion, we've kind of just, you know, I want to be a bedside nurse. That's my passion. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've kind of fell asleep at the wheel. Now no one's coming for us. We got to save ourselves. And I really think too, we have to find nurses that need to maintain their career at the bedside, but also double as like this advocate for lobbying and things like that. Because once you step outside of being a bedside nurse, like you get, you lose the pulse of what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of problems that you have down in Miami are the same problems I have in Michigan because we're both bedside nurses.
1: So yeah.
0: violence, ratio problems, staffing, things like that. That's mm-hmm. kind of ubiquitous, but you need to be doing the job to understand the problems at hand
1: right yeah no i i'm not, i absolutely agree i think we i mean it, it's like the blind leading the blind when you have the hospital administration talking to politicians and problems. then we, about our problems And yeah. then I've, I've literally had moments where i see administration and like you know rounding and they're like wait i thought this was going on on your on your unit and i'm like no not at all and they're <laughs> like well, that's what we've been told i'm like well no so it's it's just a huge disconnect. And oh. I think the best thing we can do, and my like final opinion is just getting us to the right place so we can speak. That's yep. my biggest goal. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Do I think anything's gonna get signed this week? No. Do I think anything's gonna change this week? Honestly, probably not. Um, do I think people are gonna be more empowered? Yes. Um, but I do think if we play this right, we can get ourselves into a place in government, we can get ourselves into that lobbying platform, we can get ourselves nurses into administration, I see, I mean, that's my goal, I really want to go into leadership and administration. And like you said, like a lot of people, once they leave bedside, they lose that touch. And I don't want to lose that touch. Like I want to, I want to be in a place where I know what bedside nursing looks like, and go immediately into some type of role where I can, you know, advocate for that, change that. And that's like a fairy tale goal, honestly.
0: <laughs> it, is it, it is. It isn't. Is it? And right now, with our current setup, is it, it's difficult. And you've probably seen it already. Is like, why does this nurse that just left the bedside? Why does she not remember what it's like? What What happened? Why did she forget? Right. And nurses that like move up and become like directors of nursing and things like or, or directors of mm-hmm. floors. So they. um, kind of have to realize they have to balance like the needs of the system versus the needs of the nurses. And if you're too much on like the nurse's side, suddenly you're not playing for the right team anymore, which is administration. And then that nurse can get walked out. So, and it's just like part of this corporate culture, which I really don't think has a place in healthcare. And me personally, that's my ultimate goal is to kind of like get rid of this toxic Corporate culture that comes from capitalism has been placed over top of the healthcare system. Um, and it's touching your last point that you made. Of, yeah, I don't think anything's going to change in the march too. But I don't think that's that's not the role of a march. The role of a march is to motivate, energize a base of passionate people. What happens after the march, like you were saying, is really going to tell the tale of like where we go and how we're going to save our profession.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, that. <laughs> any, uh, any final thoughts for us before we jump off
1: here? Um, no, I just I just hope that whoever's listening um, is motivated by this, is inspired by this. And I, I hope we keep this conversation going, but I hope conversation turns into action at some point because I am tired, okay? I'm yeah. tired and I'm only two years in. And I'm like, I'm
0: <laughs> like, exhausted. Something's gotta so, happen, Jesus. Yeah,
1: I was like, something's gotta happen before <laughs> I, I go, go. too.
0: Uh, Why don't you share with everyone like your socials again and where they can get in contact with you and your blog?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Instagram, it's coffee with confidence underscore. Um, There's only one. Um, I have my email there, too. You can um, DM me. I'm really good at responding. I'm open and honest on my platform. Again, I use it as a kind of a bridge to that younger generation of nurses um, to really show them what bedside is like um, and just be honest and real and inspire people in how to speak up. Um, because like you said, nurses learn to just work and shut up, but, um, we have a quite a few things to say. So
0: that's right. That's right. And I just want to thank everyone for listening. This was kind of like our before the March, uh, episode of like what we're hoping to see, um, you know, and what, uh, we hope to see happen. We plan on doing another, uh, follow-up episode of After the march, and give you guys uh, kind of like the nitty-gritty of what we saw down there. So stay tuned for that. Again, thank you for listening to Stanis Dramaticus, and talk to you soon. Have a good night. Bye bye. (laughs) Yeah.